Hi everyone, welcome to our final weekday episode in the Gospel of Luke. So, as always, we're going to do a exegesis of the Gospel reading you would hear at today's Mass. So, today's reading is Luke chapter 21, verses 34 to 36. And I'm also going to include verses 37 and 38 as well, because I think those verses round out this chapter nicely, and you don't actually get to hear verses 37 and 38 at any other time. So today we'll read verses 34 through to 38 of Luke chapter 21. Jesus said to his disciples, Watch yourselves, or your hearts will be coarsened with debauchery and drunkenness and the cares of life, and that day will be sprung on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come down on every living man on the face of the earth. Stay awake, praying at all times for the strength to survive all that is going to happen, and to stand with confidence before the Son of Man. And every day he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olivet. And early in the morning all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. So let's dive into this text. Jesus has just arrived in Jerusalem for the last week of his life. He's already cleansed the temple and he's now teaching in the temple. He's just prior to this, he's been predicting the destruction of the temple. He's been giving the extended Olivet Discourse and he's been telling his disciples signs that they should be looking out for, which would indicate that the time for the destruction of the temple is near. So he's now going to finish this sermon about the destruction of Jerusalem with some concluding remarks. The words we're going to hear today are primarily advice from Jesus to his original disciples about his middle coming in 70 AD. When the temple is destroyed, theologians often call that Jesus' middle coming in judgment. So that's the primary reference here. But there are also aspects of this that can apply very well to us today in terms of the way we look forward to his second coming. So the primary literal sense here is Jesus is thinking of 70 AD and he's giving his disciples advice in that regard, but a lot of it can apply to our situation too. Verse 34, Jesus said to his disciples, notice the audience, he's speaking to those who are already his disciples and specifically, it's probably mostly his apostles, those who are going to be leading Christians in the church. He says to them, watch yourselves, or you can translate that, take heed to yourselves. Jesus here warns his disciples that if they want to be part of the group that avoids the destruction of Jerusalem, they need to monitor themselves to ensure they stay focused on the kingdom. They need to watch themselves. This is a theme all throughout the Gospel of Luke. Jesus has already highlighted the need for vigilance to his disciples earlier on. If you look at chapter 9, verse 32, chapter 12, verse 37, and then chapter 22, verses 45 and 46, there's similar warnings to vigilance. And Jesus here gets quite specific to his disciples. He says, watch yourselves or your hearts will be coarsened with debauchery. Another translation puts it, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation. So it carries this idea of being focused on worldly activities, getting too caught up in the world. Remember the parable Jesus told earlier about the person who kept building bigger barns, he became so concerned with his worldly gain that he lost his soul. He lost. He forgot about spiritual things because he was so focused on worldly things. It's a similar theme here. Jesus tells his disciples, don't fall into that trap. And he lists further things in this list. He says, or your hearts will be coarsened with debauchery and drunkenness and the cares of life. 
So he's telling his disciples, he's warning them not to get carried away by worldly activities. He's telling them they need to stay focused on serving the kingdom and leading the church. Despite the persecutions they're going to have, there's going to be lots of temptation to fall away. And it's similar to what Jesus said earlier. Remember he said earlier that on that day, in the destruction of the temple, people will be eating and drinking and marrying like in the days of Noah. Jesus says that's what people in Jerusalem will be like. They'll just be going about their worldly lives. Jesus says, don't become like them. Some Jews in Jerusalem will be doing those things. They'll be caught up in the worldly aspects and they'll be caught off guard when God judges Jerusalem in 70 AD. But Jesus does not want his disciples to be in that group. And he says, and that day will be sprung on you suddenly like a trap. So the teaching here from Jesus is that those who are not paying attention to the signs leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, if they're not paying attention, they will not realize that the city will soon be destroyed and that God will come in judgment. If they're not paying attention to the signs, then they're not going to realize that the end is coming very soon and that God is coming to judge the city. It's going to come upon them, Jesus says here, like a trap, and it's similar to things Jesus says elsewhere about it being like a thief in the night. It's going to come suddenly. And we know from earlier in this sermon, in what form is the judgment going to come suddenly? It's going to come suddenly when the Roman armies all of a sudden appear and start attacking Jerusalem in around AD 60 uh, in that time period. And if you haven't listened to the previous days where we go through the earlier parts of the sermon, I strongly recommend you have a listen to those episodes uh, because what we hear today is the end of that extended sermon. Verse 35, for it will come down on every living man on the face of the earth. So Jesus says here, the judgment, the wrath of God, it's going to come down on every living man on the face of the earth. He's warning his disciples here. What does it mean here to say on the face of the earth? Some people see this as a reference to the second coming when God is going to judge the whole world. Maybe that's what face of the earth means. It could mean that, but I think in context, this is most likely a reference to the area of Judea, the land of Judea. Earlier in this sermon, Jesus specifically distinguished between land and world. And so here we have another word, earth, and that's probably synonymous with land. So the area called Judea. God is going to judge the land of Judea and Jerusalem. And we know that many people are going to be killed in Judea on that day of judgment. It's probably not a reference to the whole world. Jesus probably does not intend to teach that in 70 AD, the whole world will experience God's wrath, as in the whole globe. Because, think about it, he specifically tells the Christians to get out of Jerusalem and go to Perea because they're going to be safe in Perea. That's his instructions to them. So it wouldn't really make sense to say God's wrath is going to fall on the whole world because it's not going to fall on Perea. The Christians there did not experience God's wrath because they listened to Jesus' instructions. So, most likely, it's a reference to Judea only. Verse 36, he says to them, stay awake, or you can translate that, watch at all times. So, it carries this idea of keeping watch during the night, keep looking out for signs. The early Christians, the disciples, Jesus says they must not fall asleep in their duties. They have to keep looking for the signs that Jesus has been talking about. So that when they see the signs, they know that Jesus is coming soon. Then he says this, stay awake, praying at all times for the strength to survive all that is going to happen. A better translation of this is not survive, it's the strength to escape all these things that will take place. So how can the Christians escape this judgment on Jerusalem? Well, if they follow Jesus' instructions earlier in the sermon, Jesus says, when you see these signs happening, when you see the army surround Jerusalem... 
you need to run to Perea. That's his instructions. Get out of Judea, go to Pella in Perea. If they do that, they will be spared. That's how they can survive all that is going to happen. And there's also an element here of the persecution they're going to experience, because even before the Romans start attacking the city, they're going to experience extreme persecution. And Jesus says, pray for the strength to survive that. Notice that Jesus says they have to pray for the strength to do it. It's not an automatic thing. It's not enough, even for the early Christians who knew Jesus personally. Jesus says it's not enough to know Jesus' teachings and to remember them. They still need to pray for God's strength to keep following Jesus' teachings. Otherwise, they could fall into worldliness. Now, if that's true for the early Christians, the leading disciples, if even they need to pray for the strength to follow Jesus' teachings and not to fall away from the faith, well, it's even more true for us today. We have to pray that we keep the faith. Jesus says, pray for the strength to survive all that is going to happen and to stand with confidence before the Son of Man. What's this reference here, to stand with confidence before the Son of Man? Well, Son of Man means the Messiah, so it's obviously some sort of judgment day that's in vision. I think this is best understood as a reference to the particular judgment, the judgment a person has when they die and come face to face with God straight after their death. When a person dies, they will stand before Jesus and give an account of their lives. That's a Catholic teaching. Here, Jesus tells his disciples that they have to keep doing God's will so that when they die and they go to see Jesus at the particular judgment, they can appear before Jesus with confidence because they've kept the faith and they did not give up despite persecution. That's what Jesus is saying here. He says, pray that you, on that day, you would not have given up the faith and that Jesus will welcome you into eternal life. That's the idea. This teaching applies to all of us. One day we all are going to have to give an account for our lives at the particular judgment. And this theme of Uh, giving an account of our lives, it's developed more later in the New Testament. So if you look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, 1 John 2, verse 28, they all have this idea about standing blameless before God. Now, some have taken this phrase to stand with confidence before the Son of Man. Some people envision this as the final judgment at the second coming, like in the parable of the sheep and the goats, which is clearly about the final judgment at the second coming. Maybe it does refer to that. It could be taken that way. Maybe it is the final judgment scene, but not necessarily. And I think it's probably best understood more as a particular judgment. Jesus probably did not envision that the final judgment would occur in 70 AD. I think in Jesus' mind, he knew that there was going to be a middle coming and then a later second coming at the end of time. He probably doesn't want his disciples to think that, the middle coming, the destruction of the temple, is going to be the final judgment. In fact, he kind of says the opposite. He says he wants them to survive in Perea while the middle coming is happening, but then he expects them to emerge from Perea after the judgment is done and then to continue leading the church. So it's best to understand this reference as confidence before the Son of Man as the particular judgment that every person experiences at the moment of death rather than a reference to the second coming. So this finishes the long discourse in Luke 21 about the destruction of the temple. We'll go now to verse 37, straight after. It says, And every day he was teaching in the temple. So Luke here tells us that in the last week of Jesus' life, Jesus preaches in the temple every day, during the day. More of what Jesus teaches here is recorded in Matthew's Gospel particularly. If you look at the last few chapters in Matthew's Gospel, from about Matthew 20 onwards, you see some of the things that Jesus says in the temple. 
in these last few days. And then Luke says, at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olivet. So from this we learn that Jesus in the last week of his life, he's there for the whole week for the Passover feast, he doesn't lodge in Jerusalem in the last week of his life. At night time, he goes and stays on the Mount of Olives in the village there. So the Mount of Olives is quite nearby to Jerusalem, certainly within walking distance. The other Gospels are more specific. They tell us that at night time, in the last week of his life, Jesus stayed in the village of Bethany. He stayed with his friends Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Luke doesn't specify this, but the other Gospels do. Instead, Luke just phrases it as, he went to stay every night at the Mount called Olivet. And he's probably doing it so he can set up what Luke will say later when Jesus is arrested. In chapter 22, verse 39, Luke says, Jesus went as was his custom to the Mount of Olives. And then, of course, it goes into the arrest scene. So that's probably why Luke phrases it this way here. He's preparing us for the fact that there's going to be a significant scene on the Mount of Olives later when Jesus is arrested. Verse 38, early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. So Jesus got up early each morning in the last week of his life. He didn't sleep in. He got up early, he went to the temple and he preached. He uses every possible moment in this last week to teach people about the kingdom. And all the Passover pilgrims would flock to him to hear what he had to say in the temple. Let's now turn to the Catechism. We'll say something a bit more about what comes after this. We'll say that later on. But for now, let's turn to the Catechism to see the references to this text. So paragraph 2612, this is in the section about Jesus teaches us how to pray. In Jesus, the kingdom of God is at hand. He calls his hearers to conversion and faith, but also to watchfulness. In prayer, the disciple keeps watch, attentive to him who is and him who comes in memory of his first coming in the lowliness of the flesh, and in the hope of his second coming in glory. In communion with their master, the disciples' prayer is a battle. Only by keeping watch in prayer can one avoid falling into temptation. So here, as Jesus said to the disciples, you have to pray for the strength not to fall into temptation. The Catechism says that applies to us as well. Jesus teaches us that prayer is a battle. We need to constantly pray not to fall into temptation, and we need to keep our eyes on him until the second coming. So this, what we've heard today, ends Luke chapter 21, which is actually the end of the weekday cycle in Luke. We started looking at the Gospel of Luke during the weekday cycle way back in August. So we've been looking at Luke for a few months now. If you've been sticking with the the podcast for the entire time, I hope you've learned a lot and it's been really beneficial to dive into Luke in this uh, systematic verse-by-verse way. So after this, there is more to Luke. So chapter 22 begins the plot to kill Jesus and the Last Supper. So it really ramps up if you look at Luke 22 onwards. So there's still three more chapters in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, 23, and 24, but we don't get to hear that as part of the weekday cycle. The good news is, though, you can hear most of this at other times in the year. So Luke chapter 22 and 23, the entire two chapters, is read as the extended passion narrative on Palm Sunday in year C. So in Palm Sunday, you have that really long reading. In year C, so every three years, you'll hear Luke chapter 22 and 23. Now, we will break those two chapters down into smaller chunks to do an exegesis on them verse by verse as bonus episodes 
through the Patreon page for the ministry. So if you want to hear a verse-by-verse exegesis of the next two chapters, Luke 22 and 23, that will be available to you through the Patreon page, and the link for that is in the show notes. And then there's one small section of Luke which is read as a small chunk, which is Luke 23 verses 35 to 43. That's the scene where Jesus speaks to the criminals on the cross. That is read on the Solemnity of Christ the King in Year C. So that's the last Sunday in ordinary time in Year C. Luke chapter 24 verses 1 to 12 is the resurrection account, and that's read on the Easter Vigil in Year C. Then Luke chapter 24 verses 13 to 48, that's the resurrection encounters when the disciples and other people encounter Jesus. That's read a few other times around Easter. So it's read on Easter Wednesday and Easter Thursday every year. So a few days after Easter Sunday, you can hear most of Luke 24 on Easter Wednesday and Easter Thursday. It's also read on the third Sunday of Easter in year A and the third Sunday of Easter in year B. So a lot of Luke 24 does get read around Easter time. And then the final part of the Gospel of Luke, which is verses 46 to 53, the Ascension story, that's read on the Feast of the Ascension in year C. So where to from here? Well, after today, the Advent readings begin, and they jump all over the place. There is a theme, a general focus on John the Baptist, so you'll hear a lot of readings in the coming weeks about John the Baptist in the lead up to Easter, but they do jump around a bit through all four Gospels. And then the weekday cycle will resume again after Christmas in early January. So when it resumes, we'll start going through the Gospel of Mark semi-continuously, just as we have with the Gospel of Luke. Thanks for listening to today's episode and for supporting the ministry. If you have any questions or you want to send through any feedback or tell us what you love about the ministry, please feel free to do that. Send an email through to logicalbiblestudy at gmail.com. Or you can leave a voice message, and the link for that is in the show notes. I would love to hear from you, and I would love it if you tell other people about the ministry. We're starting a new section of the liturgical cycle, so now is a good time to tell people in your life about this ministry. It's a good time to start listening. Thanks once again. Please keep tuning in in the coming days.